0: You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast.
1: So the Ocala to Osceola corridor is like a piece of that, one little piece, Mm -hmm. and uh, or in using the lingo that they use is it's a critical linkage, and the O to O is it's a concept and it's a place, and so it's about 1.6 million acres of land between the Ocala National Forest and Osceola National Forest, which are two. Big, you know, landscapes, and this corridor in between, and in the middle of that is Camp Blanding, which is tens of thousands of acres of managed land, um, mm-hmm. in and of itself. So, but the concept is to create a landscape of connected public and private lands that provides a corridor for wildlife. So that's why it's called the corridor. But lots of other things too, um, including watershed. Um, protection.
0: That was Susan Carr, North Florida Land Trust, O2O Program Manager and Conservation Coordinator. And I'm Misty Ridley Little, host of the podcast. The North Florida Land Trust is a private nonprofit organization focusing on protecting lands of ecological, agricultural, and historical significance in North Florida. A few months back, I became aware of the o Corridor in the Florida Trail Footprints Magazine and through the Florida Trail's Instagram webpage, and I was sent to Jeff Glenn, the North Florida Trail Program Manager at the Florida Trail Association. And Jeff and I chatted via email, and he recommended that I reach out to Susan Carr, and have a chat with her for more details about the O2O Corridor. And Jeff and I talked about that a little bit in episode 25 of the podcast recently, but he was right. Susan was much more knowledgeable about the details of the North Florida Land Trust and the o Corridor. Now, you're probably like, what is this o Corridor? It is the Ocala to Osceola Corridor, and it will be a swath of land protected through conservation easements in addition to other public lands, private lands, military lands, and things like that for... A wildlife corridor now you may have been familiar with the overall florida wildlife corridor in the last few years and how much attention that is getting and that eventually will be from the everglades up to north florida and i would presume over further west down through the state over to pensacola but for now all of these entities throughout the state of florida are working on their own to protect the lands in their region as best as they can and the north florida land trust is one of those So in the episode, we talk about how the North Florida Land Trust operates. We talk about how it coordinates with these private landowners through public land managers, such as the Florida Trail Association, and how all of these things piece together. Now, I was already kind of familiar with land trusts in general from my day jobs, but you may not. So there is quite a bit of background information about that. And if there's anything else you would like to know more about, I'm sure Susan would be glad to answer that. So I will provide her information in the show notes for the episode. Now, after Susan and I stopped recording, I had a question about uh, eminent domain, because that is a topic that is being proposed as one way to protect all of our long trail corridors. Now, eminent domain is used in pipeline right-of-ways and road right-of-ways and building all sorts of different things, so it's not like eminent domain isn't being used for plenty of non-hiking related activities, but I just... I asked her the question, it didn't record recorded it and, and it's not such a big deal, but I thought it was just kind of a perspective that I wanted to add in a little bit here at the beginning, because maybe you were curious if, if that would be a way to protect lands. But land trusts like this do not use eminent domain, but, you know, maybe it could be a valuable tool in the future if, if things <laughs> went that direction. But she did bring up something else that we talked about, because I had asked if these lands that are being protected are protected in perpetuity, which she had said yes, but in their conversation after she did mention something that is going on now, which many Floridians will also be aware of is the issue of split oak forest. It is a previously had like a mitigation bank property in Osceola County and it's become, you know, a much loved hiking area and conservation area for people to go visit and there have been proposed toll roads to be going through this property. Well, recently those toll roads were approved. So it kind of brings it to the point of well, if we have these mitigation areas and these proposed ecological corridors that were protecting land, how safe are those really? And then that just goes right back to eminent domain and hey, we're building toll, toll roads for eminent domain. So so why can't we use eminent domain for our hiking trails? Um, so that's just me ranting. That's not Susan's perspective at all, this last bit. But I just wanted to kind of throw that out there a little bit for while we're thinking about creating these corridors and protecting these public lands and or private lands, conservation easements. What could theoretically happen in the future if if, if all the protections and I's and T's aren't dotted and crossed you never know. So it's a great episode. It's a deviation a little bit from our hiking type of episodes. But again, this podcast seeks to incorporate all the facets around the Florida Trail from our protections of the land around us to the actual hikers on the trail. So you can find the show notes for the episode at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. And you can email me at OrangeBlazePodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find the podcast at instagram at orange blaze podcast and on facebook at official orange blaze podcast all right on to the episode um well susan if you want to i guess maybe introduce yourself and um maybe a little bit about your background and and how you came to work for the north florida land trust and um you know i came across your name from the florida trail association when i found out about the ocala osceola corridor
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: then when i delved into everything that the North Florida Land Trust does and everything you do. It was just very fascinating and I thought it would be a great episode to have on the podcast to kind of share that perspective of, of, of general like land protection in Florida and how it relates to the Florida Trail. So I okay. guess maybe we just start kind of there with uh, talking about a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, yeah. Thank you, Misty. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Susan Carr and um, I am from North Florida. I was born and grew, uh, grew up in Gainesville Go Gators. <laughs> um, I have a couple degrees from that university um, and I've always enjoyed the outdoors and wildlife and, and things of that nature and I haven't always worked in land conservation. I um, I was in academia for a while, um, I left Florida, went various places, got degrees, I have a PhD in wildlife ecology, and I eventually came back to Florida, actually I finished up my PhD here at University of Florida, um, then at some point I made a big career change and decided that I wanted to save natural Florida, Yeah, <laughs> and so I got into land protection, um, which is, is kind of a diversion from where I was in academia and I also work for the government but it's all along the same lines of ecology and natural resource management it's just now we're actually actively trying to save um, natural Florida by buying parts of it and uh, restoring parts of it so and that's a big part of what the land trust does and I work for north florida land trust and not surprisingly we work in north florida <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been there i've been there about two years um yep that's right about two years and in my current position i am the program manager for the ocala to osceola wildlife corridor project or we call it the o2o right. so <laughs> i'm the o lady
0: Well, definitely your job and just that realm sounds like what a lot of biologists kind of want to go into, but, you know, those jobs are also more harder to get and fewer and far between Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's always environmental consulting or academia or, you know, government work, which, you know, can be hit and miss and and desirable as well. But um, sounds Mm -hmm. like you found a great fit there.
1: Well, I mean, I'm really learning some new stuff because uh, most of what I do is not biology anymore. It's a lot of real estate, um, law. People come to land trusts from all different walks of life and and backgrounds, Um, marketing uh public relations <laughs> yeah uh it's it's not just a bunch of biologists, although a good natural resource background is helpful, and so that's that's where my strength is and but I'm needing to learn a lot about real estate, I tell you,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah
1: politics even so yeah, yes, yes,
0: well, yeah. maybe can you talk about the the land trust uh how does how does it work how it, why was it founded, and I guess a little bit about like the acreages that you protect,
1: sure. So, uh, a land trust in general is a is a, a nonprofit organization, usually an environmental um, organization devoted to land conservation, and that's exactly what North Florida Land Trust does. Uh, we do uh, when when I say land conservation, I mean acquiring the land, um, managing the land once it's acquired, or a lot of what we do is facilitate land conservation by working with state or federal programs that buy land and or manage land. So that's sort of like, you could buy it, uh, you can hold conservation easements, which I guess we'll talk about later, or you can facilitate the acquisition of land uh, by another program. Um, And also even we work with private landowners, some private private landowners uh, or private people want to buy land for conservation themselves So in that, we work with them, too. Um, North Florida Land Trust was founded in 1999 for the purpose of protecting natural lands, uh, mostly in and around the First Coast, you know, the Jacksonville area. Mm -hmm. Um, The founder, uh, Bill McQuilkin, I'm sorry, McQuilkin, was from Jacksonville. And uh, so it was a very local land trust for a lot of years until about 2012, uh, it expanded quite a bit and got a, a full staff, and it also expanded to protect all of the private lands on Big Talbot Island, mm. um, which is north. It's a it's up there, um, Little Talbot Island State Park in that area, mm-hmm. um, north of Jacksonville. And now that Big Tal- Talbot Island is 98% protected, so... I guess we did a good job there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, But then uh, it's really exploded, uh, I mean, the land trust business um, in the last couple years. And now we service a 12-county area in North Florida, mostly Northeast Florida. And this year, uh, we are going to um, exceed 20,000 acres of protected land. Um, wow. And about half of that we own outright. Um, and most of that we acquired just in the last few years, and a lot of it is in the O-to-O. <laughs> right, So right. Yeah, in fact, we just closed on a property uh, today, about an hour before you called.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <it> good.
1: <laughs> I think that takes us across the 20,000-acre um, mark, so yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Well, so... You mentioned that the North Florida Land Trust owns some of these parcels, uh, but other parts are like conservation easements or or maybe parcels that are owned by other people but still protected. So, how, I mean, how are they, I guess, they're protected as long as the North Florida Land Trust exists, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, what happens, I mean, 100 years in the future to these lands if, you know, the North Florida Land Trust dissolves for some reason, it, they're not protected anymore? How does that work?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm being yeah. theoretical here, so. Yeah. No, I hear that one a lot. Well, we're going to be around, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, right. It, Crossing fingers. Not, yeah, <laughs> We are. I mean, just a little bit of background. I guess I should mention this earlier. We are a a pretty big regional land trust now. We have a staff of 12 and and a big endowment and stuff like that. So we have good permanence and we may very well be around in 100 years. I certainly hope so. But but it's a good question. What happens? You know, nonprofits do come and go. Um, We have we're part of the land trust alliance, which is kind of the the uh national umbrella group for land trusts and so we're accredited through that organization which also gives us some uh uh i don't know you know background or Mm -hmm. some permanence we in that we also designate other land trusts to be successors should something happen to us okay so if something did happen um our lands would go to a, another regional land trust and so would our easements because we hold conservation easements so we own land and hold conservation easements those would get passed on to our successor okay. but uh, that's a doomsday scenario yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so that was
0: worrying me i was like well it just goes back into i guess i don't know it would go up for sale in you know with the county tax assessor or or how yeah. that would work um so i was just kind of worried about you know done all this work to protect land what happens and you know something just crappy happened, <laughs> or your funding <laughs> fell through you know you yeah. stop getting people donating money to, or raising money for for land purchases
1: that could happen and actually i think with this you know you're asking this is kind of a almost a legal question i think it, if all of these land trusts went belly up i think and i don't quote me on this but i think it would actually go to the state of florida like there's an ultimate
0: okay you
1: know, successor that right I, you know, I've never heard of a land trust <laughs> going, and then all the land just get put up for sale. You know, right, for right, or
0: something. So it's just something I've always wondered. You know, with like nature conservancy properties, and we have we have a the, in Houston, we have the Bayou Land Conservancy, and there's a Texas Land Conservancy, and all of that as well. So, but it's just something always has been in the back of my head. Like what what happens? You know, you know, doomsday, right. like you said. So
1: right, okay, right. well, nothing. You know, I like to say all this protection. You know, there's no there's no such thing as 100% protection, right? I mean, even even if the state owns land, you know, we've seen it yeah. has happened there, so. Right. Yeah.
0: Of course, <laughs> of course. Okay, so so you know, you guys are buying land and you have conservation easements as well. Do are, are any of these places open for the public or are a lot of them just set aside, you know, you're just they're there for habitat and for wildlife?
1: Well, that yes, that, that's a good question. Most of our property is not—I mean, you're, it's not open to the public right now. I mean, it's not barred from the public or anything, but uh, we don't have any mandate. Unlike public lands, we don't have to have uh, public access on our lands and conservation easements because they, those lands are still owned by private landowners. They don't have to open it up to the public either. It's really at their discretion, but. Um, you know, we've gotten big enough, and we have quite a few acres. We, we opened our first preserve, uh, made it public this year, and that's Bogey Creek Preserve, which is north of Jacksonville. I think it's about 100 acres or so. And so that is now a public preserve. So you can go there, and, uh, you know, there's a big uh, gazebo and sign, and there's trails and things like okay. that. So I, we are moving toward... Uh, doing that with other preserves over time, and um, well, including ones in the O2O. So.
0: Well, I imagine there's a whole different set of things involved in opening places like that up to the public because you know yeah. you got to build, maybe you have to build trails and insurance and all that kind of issues. So I can see that definitely taking exactly. time.
1: Oh, yeah. I think this Bogey Creek thing took, uh, to, I wasn't that involved in it, but it, it took a lot of time. I remember the staff working on that leading up to the grand opening yep and then you have to have somebody to maintain it you know (laughs) of course of course (laughs) yeah Mm
0: -hmm. um okay so the conservation easements a little bit about that um Mm -hmm. you know it's a landowner and they want to have an easement on part of their property is that in perpetuity or is that you know when those landowners die that easement goes away
1: it is in perpetuity um the easement always goes with the the land after the okay. easement is in place, we like we we say it it runs with the land forever. So even if a, a person owns that land and they sell or donate a conservation easement, now they can give their land away or sell their land, but the easement goes with it. So the next owner has the land. We call it encumbered with easement. So it it just. Okay. Sort of like mineral rights or something. Right. It would always go with the land. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Cool. Well, thanks for that background. I think a lot of people are probably very curious about how a lot of that works. And I'm I'm sure we could also go into like more detail on all of that, but that would get a little bit uh probably yeah. too too legalistic for us. But um that definitely helps me understand a little bit more and I think other people will understand right. too. So
1: Well I'd like to just point out for because I I do get this question a lot. Um, A conservation easement is basically a third party is holding some of the land rights. So uh, that's when I say when we hold that easement, a landowner has either given us or sold to us um, the right to develop the land or subdivide the land. But then he or she has retained rights like to enjoy the land or grow timber and things like that. So we we hold those unexercised rights and we enforce it. Okay. Okay. It's a way of conserving land while it is still in private ownership.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so I guess I do want to transition to the Ocala to Osceola Corridor because that's kind of the yeah. main reason I wanted to speak with you. Sure. Um, and, it, you know, it just came across my radar a few months ago, and I don't know if a lot of people really know what it is yet in the Florida Trail community. Um, they, I think it may have been written about in the latest Footprint magazine of the Florida Trail Association, but general broader hiker overview, I don't think they would be familiar with it. And yeah. I know a lot of... Florida, people are probably familiar with the overall um, uh, Florida Wildlife Corridor, but what is the Ocala to Osceola Corridor, and, um, and, and why, are you, why are you creating it? Why, why do this?
1: Okay. Well, it's good that your <laughs> listeners know about the Florida Wildlife Corridor. That's cool, uh, because this is a piece of that. This is a segment of the Florida Wildlife Corridor, and I like to say the Florida Wildlife Corridor is like a big blueprint of landscape conservation for Florida. And so the Ocala to Osceola corridor is like a piece of that, one little piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, or, in using the lingo that they use, is it's a critical linkage. Um, And the O to O is it's a concept and it's a place. And so it's about 1.6 million acres of land between the Ocala National Forest and Osceola National Forest, which are two big you know landscapes and this corridor in between and in the middle of that is Camp Blanding which is tens of thousands of acres of managed land um, Mm -hmm. in and of itself so but the concept is to create a uh, landscape of connected public and private lands that Provides a corridor for wildlife, so that's why it's called the corridor, but lots of other things too, um, including watershed um, protection. The O2O contains the headwater regions of about five watersheds. Um, it's a heavily forested region, so it provides habitat for um, lots of imperiled species. And uh, I like to say it's kind of our totem animal is the Florida black bear because mm-hmm. it, it provides um, a migration corridor and foraging area for the black bear. It's a, one of the major north to south running um, corridors in the state. So uh, another benefit of protecting it is um, uh, climate adaptation uh, for allowing for migration of plants and animals as they adapt to a changing climate. Um, so, like I say, it's a it's a place, it's a concept, and the vision is to have uh, more land protection in the corridor, but to do it in such a way that it is connected, and so as not to be a just kind of a fragmented landscape. And but we're also interested in protecting some other missions, including the military mission of um, Camp Blanding, because they need room to train and blow things up and stuff like that <laughs> and also the rural. it's a very rural landscape um, and we're interested in keeping um, uh, forestry operations in place to support the natural resource based economy of the area. Okay. So it's really, it's, it's a public private um, initiative and it's not all about preserves and locking it up and everything. It's really about trying to keep this rural um, landscape of natural and, and rural lands in place.
0: Yeah. Cause I have two ways to go here. The first one was what you just mentioned was the multiple uses. And I was wondering that as well, if it was all protected land or, or like you said, allowing for logging operations and, and obviously military use, cause you're not going to kick camp landing out. <laughs> right. <laughs> but <laughs> No more military. Um, yeah. uh, but so that so yeah so it, it does work like that it is it is part protection but part still active use and I guess what I guess how does how does that work with you know working with the landowners what are the landowners when you come to the landowners and ask them hey we want you to be part of this
1: mm-hmm. what has been the
0: overall like aspect uh, or reaction from them
1: well most of them just reach out to us and contact us so if they're doing that they're usually conservation minded right so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i mean i've done some cold calling but mostly it's kind of a referral system and it's it's amazing we uh, the the level of interest that we see and i would say typically the um private landowner maybe has some family land um that they're very interested in um keeping it intact and not developed a lot of people really don't Want their land developed, and but they may want to keep it in the family hands. For them, a conservation easement is perfect. Some people just want to sell their land, and if there are programs uh, for which they are eligible, you know we'll we'll try to hook them up with that, and they can sell their lands for conservation. So, I guess those are the kind of the two major um, things. Um, you know, some people want to buy conservation lands, so we we work with them. Um, And a lot of it depends on, so it really depends on what their interests are, what their family situation is, and where they're located. I mean, a big part of this is just location, location, location. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Whether they're in, because I forgot to mention that the O2O has uh, parts, all or parts of five Florida Forever project areas. And by that, I mean... Florida Forever is the, the primo um, conservation program in, in Florida that buys land for conservation. So, and to get land bought through that program, you need to be in a program area that's like a, a pre-approved area that they, they deem worthy for conservation. So, like if your land in a, is in one of those project areas, you know, you might you might be in the money. If right. not, maybe not so much. Um Camp Blanding, I certainly, (laughs) we certainly don't want to get rid of Camp (laughs) Blanding. The big thing that's been going on is uh, that we've been doing a lot of is buying land around Camp Blanding for their buffer lands program. And this is one of the most interesting stories, I think, of land conservation in the O2O is this marriage of the military and conservation. Because they, Camp Blanding wants to buffer the installation Right. Because mm-hmm. they're running, they're blowing stuff up and, you know, people make phone calls to their congressmen and, and stuff like that. Well, they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they want to kind of tone that down. So uh, so it's a great. So if, if Camp Landing wants to um, uh, deter incompatible land use, well, conservation lands are perfect for that. So a lot of our funding for uh, buying lands lately has been coming to, you know, going right around the, uh, the uh, base there. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess part of that, you know, this corridor from the Ocala to Osceola and is there, other than say the Florida trail being like the tie that binds those two together, is there some other linkage that a waterway or, a, or, or a roadway that kind of ties this together? Or is it just like in general, a conglomeration of whatever land you can get to make a corridor?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, Well, the model, which, again, back to that Florida Wildlife Corridor, which itself was derived from the Florida Ecological Greenways Network, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that's a model that's based in in, um, some science coming out of University of Florida and and the state uh, agencies um, that really looked at, if you were going to have a system of connected lands, what would be the optimal configuration and so, that's what the o is really based on. So, if you look at it, almost like a big GIS model, if you mm-hmm. look at how you would lay out a system of connected lands to maximize existing forests and uh, linking protected lands. That's what okay. they came up with. So, that that's really the, the f- foundation of this thing, um, rather than a river or something like that. Now, that said... Um, I'd say about over 90% of the O2O as it exists now is forest land, uh, including, um, you know, timberlands, corporate lands, and that sort of thing. But it's forested. So that right. that was the main, uh, em, em, you know, emphasis there.
0: Okay. And that was my next question was, what kind of habitats are, are being preserved along the way? Um, I mean, obviously there's, you yeah. know, some pine plantations and, and, you know, hardwood hammocks and that sort of thing. But maybe you can highlight some of the, more interesting habitats in the Odeo Corridor.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. We sort of have it all because (laughs) uh, I'll go from south to north. Now down, you know, the Ocala National Forest has the largest sand pine scrub in the world. So (laughs) the big scrub. Yeah. So you have that huge area. I think it's over a hundred thousand acres of scrub. Um, And that supports the, the Florida scrub jay and a lot of other scrub species. Um, now scrub, kind of going north, there are bits of scrub into even Putnam County and so forth, but then scrub kind of reaches its max uh, northern limits up there, uh, kind of in the middle of the O2O. Um, I'd say the central part of the o is a lot of sandy soils that support longleaf pine sandhills, gopher tortoises, and all of the uh, commensal species that co-occur with uh, gopher tortoises like Pine Snake and Sherman's Fox Squirrel and all those kind of guys. Um, and then, um, there are some big swamps and lowlands in the north part of the o Um, including, yeah, a lot of timberland up there. So a lot of pine plantations. Uh, let's see, some, some big river swamps associated with the, um, St. Mary's River flowing hmm. to the east. Um. So let's see what else. Um, there's some rare plants like Etnia rosemary. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of been in the news lately um, because it's uh, there've been a lot of surveys for it, and it's a federally endangered um, mint that's only in two populations on Etnia State Forest. Oh wow! So. You know, just a, a lot of things like that. Gopher tortoises is, is a big uh, emphasis species in the O2O um, because there's a lot of sandy soil habitat for it. And then, as you probably know, it's um, the gopher tortoise is a candidate for federal listing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it may be listed as threatened in the next few years. Um, okay. we'll see, so. uh,
0: what about red cocking red and woodpeckers? Yes, I missed that one. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> yes. I know they're in that area.
1: <laughs> uh, how could I leave that one out? Yes, you're right. I think uh, there's a huge population on the Ocala National Forest, a uh, pretty big population on the Osceola National Forest. There's some on the uh, Camp Blanding. So you have three distinct populations. And, you know, if, if we can pull this whole thing off with the, the ODO, we may even be able to connect those populations for better gene flow and uh, you know, adaptations. So yes, right. yes, right. definitely. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking about it. Cause I, I work with them over here in Texas somewhat, so I was oh. familiar with them. So, sure.
1: okay. So yeah, you mentioned
0: a little bit about the effort involved in getting the corridor protected. I guess, when did the, the idea to really hit home and start working on this start and how long has it taken to get it kind of where it is today?
1: Oh my gosh, well, it's been, the o is at least as a vision and a concept, has been around for decades, I, I believe. In fact, I was just reading uh, the, in the early 2000s, um, an, another conservation organization was, was working on at least the vision of it. I would say when North Florida Land Trust came into it, it all started with Camp Blanding and that that um, partnership that we have with Camp Blanding to work with them on their Bufferlands program. From that, we really just picked up the, the existing vision and concept of the O2O and expanded it. And that really took form uh, of about three years ago before I joined NFLT. And then after I came on, it really just grew more and more. And um, we created a partnership of uh, public and private organizations that are centered on this common mission, and we call it the O2O Partnership. And it has about 16 um, entities in it right now, so federal, state agencies, and seven nonprofits, including four land trusts, and the Florida Trail Association, and a few other nonprofits. So it, it's pretty cool that we are, uh, you know, we're not the only land trust working in here. There's some others, and that we're all um, working on this common, you know, landscape initiative. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess you guys get together like once a year, or have meetings to kind of get on the same page and see where tracking progress goes?
1: Oh, yeah, you bet. Uh, two to three times a year. Uh, we're scheduled for another meeting early in 2020, and yep, we sure do. Yeah, <laughs> so, a lot of agency people and nonprofit people, you know, sitting around. What do we do? What are we gonna do? Uh, you know, what do the programs look like? What's the funding look like? You know, the state, especially since they they live on appropriated funds. You know, it's always interesting to see what yeah what comes up with them. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, so uh, it's,
0: it seems yeah. like a slow-moving ship, though. It's just you and you yeah. steer and turn slowly.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The big partner that's really kind of come online lately is uh, Federal, the Natural Resource Conservation Service. Um, it's part of the USDA. It's an agency that very few people really have heard of, but... They apply the Farm Bill, and most people yeah. have heard of the Farm Bill. So, apparently, so it turns out the Farm Bill is a huge uh, funder of conservation. So, more and more, we're working with Farm Bill programs, uh, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> Forest land protection in the o So, I'm heavily involved in that these days. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, how does the Florida Trail Association fit into all of this? I mean, I know in that area, it crosses quite a few public lands but there's definitely some private timberlands that it crosses and some other areas that they're working to kind of reroute and issues but like I mean how does that work how how would they work with you and what would what's the benefit obviously for the Florida Trail
1: sure yeah well when I first started this I mean one of the first things I did was go talk to Jeff Glenn with the Florida Trail Association and say Jeff in this map of the o <laughs> Where Here's the trail. What are some of your uh, areas that you really want to protect or your problem areas or where you might want to reroute the trail? And we sat there and we marked up the map. And like you mentioned, the trail does go across quite a bit of private land and public land. So some of their private land crossings, you know, they may have an official easement or they may only have kind of a handshake deal. Mm -hmm. So they're very interested in shoring up those pieces of the trail, you know, for greater permanence and, and so forth. So we, we work with them some there where if I'm working with a landowner and I know that he or she has a section of the trail, um, on their land, you know, I definitely want to consider that any of their conservation programs or options. Um, and then, Recently, with all the activity around Camp Blanding and Goldhead Branch State Park, where we bought, we just closed on a piece today. And so that's probably right around the park there. We have about 1,000 acres, I think, now. And there's a lot of opportunity to reroute the trail across our own preserves to make the trail better. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the, the recent project right now is to reroute. There's a section of trail that goes on about two miles of just roadway. You know, mm-hmm. It's dreary. It goes down a dirt road. Um, we're, we're, we're working with FTA to reroute that section across some really beautiful, pretty, you know, natural area to take yeah. the road <laughs> and then tie it into the south part of Goldhead Branch State Park. So it'll definitely improve the trail in that area. This is near Keystone Heights. Yes. So Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Um, Those are, and then other parts of, especially the north part of the O2O, where it does go across a lot of um, timber company land. As we work with those companies, you know, we will definitely keep the Florida Trail as part of any easements that we do or any of these things. That's more of a gleam in the eye at this point, but it's definitely a, a way that we can work with FTA to improve the trail. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's definitely better of a more of a sort of the FTA just working on their own trying to purchase land or make it easement. It helps to have you know another group with more. I don't know. I guess sometimes oomph you pair up together and to be able to uh, to get the trail protected. So sounds like oh yeah.
1: <laughs> In fact, I, FTA works with a number of land trusts. In uh, yeah, I think they. They did over in Suwannee County or Hamilton County or something. Yeah, so they, because FTA themselves are doing some land and easement acquisitions, right, mm-hmm. to the trail. Like I like to say to, uh, to Jeff is, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting land protection problem because a trail is only as good as its weakest link, right? Right. You, know, you have to have the whole trail. So if you've got a stoppage or a blockage or something in the middle of the trail, the trail's not that great Uh,
0: so yeah yep (laughs) and there's lots of those in the Florida Trail we need a lot of help so
1: yeah yeah oh yeah I I think it's great so yeah
0: well what kind of uh issues have you run into in getting the Odoa corridor um I guess worked on I mean is there any just like outright animosity towards the project or is it mostly everybody's likes the idea
1: I haven't really experienced any, you know, animosity about the O2O o specifically. I guess in the bigger context, you know, there there's there's political will. Uh, some people are just against conservation, you know, having more conservation land than Florida or spending taxpayer money on more conservation land and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in, in in the larger context, but I haven't really... Um, Experienced that directed at the O to O, fortunately. So <laughs> good, good. <laughs> but in terms of the issues, you know, funding and political will; those are the top two things. And you have to have quite a bit of money to to buy land for conservation in this state. Um, and then that all goes back to, you know, our our budgets, our appropriations, what happened with Amendment One, all that stuff. So and and. Yeah, to buy 100, well, not buy, but to protect 140,000 acres, which is our ambitious goal, would take millions of dollars. Right. Um, so, but to that end, we uh, it would kind of take an approach of, it's not just state funding. There's federal funding. There's even funding from private sources. We really try to cobble it all together for the maximum benefit. So, um, so right. I'd say... That's definitely an issue. Uh, staff capacity is an issue because it, you know, it takes a lot of manpower, um, especially when, you know, each project, if it's a purchasing a land piece of land or purchasing a conservation easement or whatever, has it's its own story, and with all the different funding mechanisms and everything, it get it can get pretty complex. Um, next year, I'm going to be working on a project where we may have to be. We're going to try to get, you know, four or five different funding sources into buying one piece of land. So complexity, (laughs) (laughs) it's more complex than it seems, you know, oh, buying land. But there are so many, especially when you start mixing sources and and then trying to fundraise from private sources as well, it gets really complicated. Right. And it takes time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: it's definitely, like, a, like like I said, a slow-moving vessel. It doesn't happen overnight.
1: Yeah, and then that's a, another issue, too, is working with landowners who may not uh, want to do this for a year and a half. You know, a lot of times when people want to sell the land, they want to sell it, you know, pretty soon. Yeah. They don't want to wait a year and a half or so for us to find the funds and do all that stuff. So, right. yeah, timing. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how does this, I mean, how does this fit in overall with the, the, the main Florida wildlife corridor? Do you know what's going on in other parts of the state? Is there as much work going on, on, you know, piecing together like a Kissimmee to Orlando corridor or anything like that? Do you know?
1: There is, um, I'm not real familiar with those other efforts, but they, they do exist. Uh, and I think you mentioned one, the uh, Ocala to Wakaiva or Wakaiva to Ocala um that's another piece of the wildlife Florida Wildlife Corridor, another critical linkage. And it is north of Orlando and it takes in that Wakaiba basin area, a lot of springs. hmm And uh I think the conservation um conservation Florida is working on that. They're another um land trust. Uh There's a landscape initiative effort going on in the Everglades headwaters, and that's the Kissimmee River Mm -hmm. Basin um, south of Orlando. And that's really, I don't know if you've, I mean, the trail goes through all that. It's beautiful yeah, yeah. right? (laughs) Yeah, you've been down there. So all those big, wide open spaces and the big ranch lands and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's been quite a bit of activity down there. Then the Everglades itself, of course. Right. And uh, I think more and more um, conservation, landscape conservation in the panhandle is gaining some traction, which I'm really happy about because those are some of the most beautiful, you know, natural yeah. areas that we have out there. So, right. Yeah. So
0: So, how can people, if they want to get involved in the North Water Land Trust, is, do you guys have volunteer work days or galas to put on anything like that that you guys do that that if somebody was interested they could join in
1: oh oh yeah sure well i'd say check out our website (laughs) (laughs) www.nflt.org um for all of you know our our goings on and yeah uh by all means um contact me or anybody else at the land trust um you can uh Contact me on the website um, if you want to get more information about the o to um, We do have volunteer days, um, not always in the O-to-O, but other, you know, throughout Northeast Florida. Um, we have, there's a big program around um, the uh, Terrapin, the Terrapin project. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our stewardship coordinator um, or manager, Emily Dunn, runs this team Terrapin uh, volunteer effort, and it's fun because you're walking the beach and looking for turtles and nests and stuff. Yeah, we so got that going on. Uh, we have some paddle trips and different events like that. So just you know, check out our website and and uh, we'll have more going on in 2020 because especially we're trying to get some of these um, these preserves um, up and running for public enjoyment. And building trails, yes. Uh, hopefully, we'll be building some trails pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> that's so. where definitely where you
0: would need volunteers. That's oh, where, yeah, yeah. yeah. especially
1: mm-hmm. this this reroute near Goldhead uh, Branch State for, I mean, State Park. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So we'll be building some trails. That would be good. That would be yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, do you have any final thoughts or any other information you'd like to share about you know the North Florida Land Trust or the Odoa Corridor or You know, any general environmental information?
1: Oh, well, let's see. Um, Support your local land trust. Uh, North Florida Land Trust is a great um, uh, organization to support. Uh, You can donate. You can come work with us. Or if not us, then some other land trust in your area. Because I do feel like land trusts get it done. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but a big thing we do is really just get conservation on the ground because we're stealthy and we're mission driven and we can actually move pretty quickly compared to government agencies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So more and more we are getting it on the ground and we're working with these other agencies and programs, but we're the ones doing it, you know, making right. the contacts and just doing it. So if you really want to protect Uh, land in in Florida a great place to put your efforts or land trusts right yep (laughs) perfect Okay. Well,
0: thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and giving me a little bit more information about the o and maybe this year as people are hiking through North Florida, they will kind of think in the back of their head about all of the work that's going into, you know, just protecting, you know, Florida's wild spaces, protecting the Florida Trail and and um, all the hard work that pe- that's going on that they may not see. So thank you for sharing all of that.
1: Oh, sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.